What's going on, guys? Welcome to the latest episode of Can I Kick It? Joining me are two exciting guys from Charlotte Independent. This is also, I believe, I want to correct me if I'm wrong, the head of USL Black Players Association, um, Mr. Brandon Miller, and Rich McKicker fans would know him, of course, Mr. Hugh Roberts. How are you guys doing today? I'm good, man. I'm good. Thanks for having us on. Yes, sir. Thanks for having us. No, no problem, man. Um, like we were saying before we started, when I, I just want to say kudos to you guys for starting this organization. Uh, we know MLS has already started their own this summer, but you guys decided to start your own, and I think it's an important, an important piece of this battle that we're fighting. Absolutely. I mean, we've everyone's seen what the MLS players have done, the black players in MLS, and um, I mean, we were. We were kind of on that same wave uh, during the during the same time frame. It just you know, it took us a little bit longer to to get organized. You know, having forty seven teams across two leagues it takes <laughs> a bit of time, but it's uh, it's definitely an exciting time, and, and we're definitely looking forward to to making a lot of changes um, within the league and, and being an impactful organization outside as well. Mm, yeah, most definitely. I imagine it had to be hard to get all forty seven players. I mean, teams. And their players kind of all, all on the same page. Yeah, it took a whole process. It took, well, probably once uh, this whole uh, Jacob Blake shooting happened, um, kind of turned things up for us with uh, NBA, MLB, MLF, all protesting. We were like, you know, this is a great time for us to capitalize on this moment and announce ourselves and also do something that's collective throughout the whole league. So, yeah, it really came down to like the last 48 hours from Thursday to 25 hours, sorry, from Thursday to Friday. And everything was crunched on a time basis because games were Friday night. So we had like a two hour meeting the night before with a bunch of guys within the uh, BPA trying to figure out what kind of protests we wanted to do. And ultimately, since we have so many different diverse clubs and we're all trying to show unity, we figured it'd be best if we all, if we gave each individual club the right to do their own thing, but do some kind of movement that is still unified amongst the whole championship and, and League One. So it took a lot of time and, you know, kind of rushed some things in the last 24 hours, but it all came to fruition. It was much, it was definitely worth it. Yeah, it was definitely. So before we dive into everything that we're going to talk about, uh, I know you guys are in Memphis, Memphis right now. Um, and I know Memphis was one of the teams that just elected not to play. Uh, how is everything going on there in the city, and how are their players doing? Uh, I mean, we've I've had discussions with a couple of the players today, uh, and they're all on board to play tomorrow um, and continue, you know, the protest movement within the league. But I, I know, like like you said, we we left it up to each club individually to to decide how they wanted to protest and if they wanted to do that. And, and Memphis decided, uh, you know, for the game on Saturday that they, they wanted to sit out and we fully supported that. Um, but they, you know, now made the decision they want to continue playing. And so we support that as well. And we're going to work together to, to protest, but also compete on the field. So let's go on again into the questions. With the USL BP, BPA being created this past weekend, um, can you just tell us what are the short and long-term girl goals of your organization? Yeah, short term, right now, the main focus is we just announced our executive board trying to get another, some more structure formally with directors and other guys within the BPA affiliated with us and uh, just continuously creating that structure. 
next short term as well, being different partnerships throughout the, the country with hopefully maybe the MLS BPC, National Black Coaches Membership, um, and and the National Black Professional Athletes Foundation. Just a bunch of other foundations we're trying to partner with right now. And the long term goal, honestly, is to get more blacks in the front office, get more blacks coaching opportunities when we finish our careers, get more black players, you know, opportunity to help themselves within the community, their local communities and make a difference within the community. Just give us a voice. We need a voice in the meetings within clubs. We need some representations in the front office. That's ultimately the vision that we think can happen as soon as next year, honestly. But those are some of the short-term and long-term goals. Be on the more. Yeah, and to go along with that, I mean, spot on with, with that. And we also want to, as an organization, we want to provide our the players, the members of our organization, educational resources to, to you know, excel all, on the field and off the field. You know, there's a lot of these guys are going to be making, whether they're making a lot of money now, they're going to be making money if they move up to higher leagues. Like, we want to offer them things like financial literacy, right, so they have an understanding of how to use their money and maximize their potential. Um, how to how to build their brand. There's a lot of guys around the league who have the who have the knowledge and the experience from from building you know an a-, a brand behind their their athletic prowess. So now we want to figure out how we can teach other players to do that from a younger age. Um, you touched on the coaching piece, uh, you know, giving guys the opportunity to get coaching licenses and have those coaching opportunities in each individual market that um, USL serves. Okay. Okay. Um, and just real quick, I know you guys brought it up, but for our listeners who don't know, who are who's on the executive board and what are their positions? So, I mean, we have right now we have an executive committee of three: uh, Hugh, myself, and Matt Watson at Indy Eleven, and we're currently working to create a board of directors as well. To and they're going to have various positions, whether it's marketing, social media, community relations, um, you know, partnerships like like you talked about earlier. Um, so we'll, we'll have a board of you know probably eight to ten people as well um, throughout the league because we've got obviously we've got forty seven clubs to cover. We've got a lot of work to get done. We don't can't just leave it to three people. Like we want everyone in the organization to feel like they have ownership of what we're doing, and, and they're helping guide us forward, whether it's baby steps or large steps. And so we want guys to be involved and engaged as much as possible. Okay. Oh, and I know we kind of touched on it earlier, but as you guys were saying, this kind of came after MLS uh, Black Players Association. Was the creation of the MLS Black Players Association something that kind of lit the fire underneath you guys to create your own association, or was it something that you guys were already thinking about doing? Yeah, well, the thing with that is we around when they were starting their negotiations and talks, we were also in the same talks and same room same podcast same interviews with them same group chats discussing what we all needed you know just being a black soccer player here in this country period so yes when they did announce it it, uh, definitely gave us more of a clear pathway how we should formulate but talks for us are probably a a month in the work before they even announced themselves so it definitely influenced uh, um you know influenced us it gave us leadership and some guys we can connect to and how we want to steer our Black Players Alliance, but we were in the talks a little bit for some time before they announced theirs. I mean, it was definitely like it was definitely motivating to see what they did, you know, in the bubble and when they had announced and and just seeing how they had come together 
to achieve that the, their goals and their mission. And, and, and me and Hugh were talking about it. it's like that's definitely something we can do. That's definitely something we should do. And so we kind of took it upon ourselves to to just go ahead and, and get it organized. Um, Hugh, you already brought it up, but you guys are looking to do joint uh, work with like MLS and um, I think forgive me, I forgot the other one you said. But what are some things you're looking to do with MLS and those other organizations? So with the, for example, the National Black Professional Athletes Foundation, they're affiliated with the NBA, NFL, and MLS. So one of our main goals is to get our group and our alliance on a national stage, bring more, bring more notoriety and hopefully more sponsors and, you know, just more awareness so we can continuously grow and give more people's, more players opportunities post-career. So... That's with, you know, that foundation within itself, but with the MLS and with some other local as the um, National Black Coaches leadership as well, we want to gain as many resources and, you know, it's kind of, you have power in numbers too. So as many groups and affiliates we can get alongside of us to help steer this ship. We were just in a conversation with some big time players like Michael Beasley, or Michael um, or Beasley, sorry, Gujani Wu and Eddie Pope, and they are you know, kind of giving us some advice on what we should do and then our next steps. So we're, we're listening, building our partnership so we can continuously advance and, you know, just show how strong we are and how formulated we are so we can give opportunities within our communities. I think okay. the big thing you, you touched on there is like the power in numbers. Like we're, you know, we're the Black Players Alliance of the USL, but ultimately we want to affect change in U.S. soccer as a whole. And the, that's the MLS Black Players goal. That's the the mission of a lot of these other organizations that we're talking to is we want to increase the opportunities for people that look like us in U.S. soccer, whether it's the U.S. Soccer Federation, whether it's MLS, whether it's uh, USL, whether it's grassroots soccer, right? So we are, it just makes sense for us all to work together because we're all working for the same thing. We, we, we uh, work within different structures. You know, MLS and USL are different, but it, at the end of the day, it's all soccer and it's all a part of one federation that we want to uh, change uh, and change for the better for our people. And so that with the partnerships, that's that's the big goal is to everyone get aligned. Um, and we're pushing the same message to the USL, to the MLS, you know, to the U.S. Soccer Federation. We demand change. We have to have, you know, the this set of um, goals met. Um, so that that's that's basically a, a big reason why we want to get a lot of these partnerships. Um, one of the other things that you guys talked about was impacting change within the coaching ranks and head office positions. So currently in USL right now, we have four coaches of color uh, at Rio Grande Valley, uh, Real, I mean, not Real, uh, Real Monarchs, um, Harford Athletic, and there's one more right now that's escaping me. But how are you guys looking to push that initiative, getting more coaches of color within the head coaching position and potentially like front office and um, manage, management and ownership? I think a lot of it begins with what you look at, what you see at New Mexico United, right? We have to give those, the minority coaches, the opportunities to get these coaching licenses that are ultimately going to push them into the higher realms and the higher uh, job opportunities. And so we have, I mean, we have to demand transparency from the clubs and the league as a whole uh, in terms of their hiring practices. When candidates, uh, oftentimes you see, you know, jobs open up and, you know, a week later you see the, the guy who just lost a job for 
not winning a, a playoff game in five years. Now he's into another job, right? So it's it's about transparency. It's about making sure that when opportunities arise, that there's a full scope of uh, candidates that are looked at, and and when we can get the education behind that for the for the black coaches who you know instead of having d license or c license now we're looking at a license coaches and there's no excuse for you not to look at those coaches because they have they have the resume and they all they need is the opportunity now hey guys after this podcast go check out our newest sponsor non-league america they give you the most in-depth exploration of the diversity of the united states through the lens of soccer they're also your source for behind-the-scenes look at soccer culture and the independent amateur club scene. Non-League America is not media in the traditional sense. They are content creators who use no claims to be unbiased. They are also staunch supporters of independent black-owned clubs, spending money with black-owned businesses and suppliers, and advocating for systematic change to our system that will give these clubs greater equity and opportunity. You can follow Non-League America and check out their documentaries on Facebook and on YouTube. And the link provided down below. So, if you support us, go support Non-League America. Right. And that's the thing, too. We're always held to a short leash as a black coach. We get typically one year, one chance. If you don't have a successful season, you're done in comparison to maybe a white counterpart who gets X amount of years because they're giving him a chance. And as long as we have the credentials, as long as we come through correct and they see we have our A licenses, black coaches, we're held on a short leash. So sometimes we want to get a year or maybe a half a year or if we don't have a successful season, we're usually out that office. So we want to have the conversation where every black coach after their career, they're able to get their A licenses. So when they do get this interview, they have all the credentials and they come through correct. And sometimes these clubs interview us black coaches for a status quo or some number that they did interview a black coach. But... It should, we don't want that anymore. We want to be knocking at the door saying, hey, you have a head coaching vacancy position. We need to, you know, we recommend so-and-so to fulfill this position. He has all the licenses and the credentials. Here's why. And give him a real interview and a chance. Because we need more black coaches out there. Yeah, and, and to, to go beyond that, it's we want we want black faces at every, every power position, you know. Uh, GMs who are making decisions on what players come into the club, team president who's got, who's figuring out how to steer an entire club, not just on the field, but as a business as well. And within the league office, you know, you look at you look at some of the executive roles within the league office. Uh, I don't see a lot of minority faces. Um, now, I also don't know everyone in the league office. So I, I'm not, I can't comment on that too much, but that's a discussion to have with the league because those are the key decisions that are steering this league and then ultimately steering these individual clubs as well. One thing that we talked about that you guys mentioned is about holding these clubs accountable. And over the past weekend, we saw some clubs like South Georgia Tormenta, the Richmond Kickers, um, you know, Charlotte Independence and others, and any 11 for, uh, and others that were really at the forefront of making their messages known. Ford Madison and North Texas and Memphis 901 were at the forefront of making their messages known and really showing support but then you also had other clubs like a Chattanooga Red Wolves or some of the two teams that didn't say anything at all or that they posted a message way after the fact, after the game, very late. Uh, how do you try to hold those clubs accountable? Well, I don't want it to be a thing where, like, everyone has to, you know, post on social media and, 
and you know really try and show everything that or say a lot of things because like we've talked about it in in you know a lot of the bpa meetings it's like gestures are great but we want long-term change so can I be mad at a club that they didn't post on social media if they are consistently giving minorities and empowering minorities, giving them opportunities in their front office and in their coaching staff? I, you know, that's not that's that means more to me than a, a post on, on Twitter and Facebook. So I think the, the big thing for us is getting behind the curtain, you know, seeing uh, what clubs are actually doing and what we can actually change at individual clubs that will be more impactful for for black people uh, as a whole and then it's same thing on the flip side just because you know just because the league or just because certain clubs are posting a lot of great things on social media that doesn't mean that behind the curtain things look or things are great for minorities in in certain positions so it's it's more so about how systemically they are changing their organization to be more accepting and more inviting of minorities. There's a bunch of clubs that I'm learning to find out that, you know, don't really post on social media, but they've been doing a lot of work, giving a lot of minority opportunities. And the same thing vice versa with clubs saying stuff on social media, but not actually putting in work. So Brandon hit all those points, you know, not really, you don't want to antagonize clubs for not saying anything, but I also encourage players to use their platforms as well. Because as clubs are the realists, when we use our platforms to speak out and fans catch wind of this, that we do have a lot of leverage and power. So a club might not be saying something or, you know, they stay silent, but we also have some leverage and we can also use our platforms. And that, that's what I kind of did over quarantine and other situations, which led to independence catching some heat and ended up them being more supportive amongst us. But sometimes it takes us to speak up and use our platforms as well. So... We don't really knock clubs or anything at all, but we definitely talk amongst ourselves within a group and, you know, just tell some black players, use your voice if you want to. Mm -hmm. uh, you guys talked a lot about increasing your, increasing the outreach and opportunities for people in the black community. Um, can you just speak more on that? And is this something that you're looking to do with each collective club, like each, each of the 47 cities, or would this kind of be like just a nationwide approach? I mean, ideally, we'd like to find a, a nationwide partnership that is that has branches in, in most cities that we we uh, have clubs in. Um, that way we can, you know, kind of use those branches to filter our larger message. But we'll also look at a lot of local partnerships. Uh, there are a lot of guys in our organization who do a lot of great things in their individual markets with with a lot of nonprofits and and it would we would be remiss if we didn't you know highlight that and also try and work with them to amplify what they're doing on on a larger level and i don't want to keep you guys too long cuz i know you guys have a big game tomorrow against Memphis 901 so i just have like one or two more questions is that okay with you guys yeah yeah okay um how much presence are you guys looking to have within uh, CBA negotiations, what are some things that you guys will be asking for within those CBA negotiations with the league? Well, the biggest thing for us is having someone, someone more specifically within the BPA representing us and being in those conversations. Um, there's not really too many minorities within the CBA agreements or within the USLP themselves. So we love, we would love to get an ear within those meetings. And, and when we do get our ear within those meetings, we would love for us to implement some of the things we've been talking about on the show. 
some of the things where we want black coaches in the front offices, but more so affecting the community locally and affecting change and making long everlasting change. So we haven't really been in talk yet recently, you know, amongst the CBA negotiations, but our number one goal right now have a seat within those meetings and those conversations so we can you know, use our voice and implement change. Um, and my last question is, is the USLBPA, would that solely just be for players within the league or would you guys also be having coaches a part of the league as well? Um, I mean, a part of the association as well. I think it's vital to have the support of, you know, coaching staff, front office staff. We've already had you know, conversations with a couple different coaches about what we're doing and they support it. Um, and so if they want to be involved, absolutely. I think it's it's important for us to have their feedback. They're they're kind of they have a different angle on things. I, you know, they're in they're in the boardrooms or, or sometimes, you know, and they're in different rooms than we are. Right. So, I mean, like like he was saying before, it's important for us to be in as many rooms as possible so that we have our voices heard in as many rooms as possible. So whether that's the USLPA um, collective bargaining negotiations, whether that's league meetings uh, that we need to be in and whether it's just, you know, simple coaching staff meetings in, in every single club, like we got to have that representation. So to have them support us um, and, 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 you know, uh, us support them is, is huge. Mm, okay. Um, I just want to say thank you guys again for creating this organization, you know, all the work. I know you guys are going to do amazing work. Um, before we close out, is there anything that you guys want that we didn't quite go over? Um, anything that you guys felt like we need to address? Um, I would say, you know, just just follow us on social media. Um, we're going to be announcing hopefully a lot over the next few weeks. Um and the support from the fans, the support from the followers is huge to to get our message out there and really make our voices more impactful. So, um, you know, on Twitter, it's USLBPA. Uh, same thing on Instagram. And we, we're going to be rolling out our website hopefully later this week, which will give more information and have some more links to, to get to know the players and get to know our message a bit more. Okay. Yeah, that's the big thing for me is support. Um, I don't know if you've seen what's been going on here in Charlotte, but over the months since me and Brandon have had a bunch of fan supports and the group supporters backing us up, it's been putting a little heat on the front office within the club. So the more support we get throughout the cities and the communities will be impactful because, again, there's strength in numbers. Um, and, yeah, we just want to get our voice out there. As Brandon said, we have a lot of things coming within this next couple of weeks, so definitely stay tuned for that. But just keep supporting us and – you know, stay tuned to differences that we're going to make within the, each each individual club. Brandon, I just want to say thank you once again for coming on our podcast and wish you guys nothing but the best. I appreciate it. Thanks for having us on.